This week in the parish of Bourses and Market Structure, a Magna Carta for Markets, MicroConnect, released their magnificent map. Tadawool rescues DME, Nicey pulls back from its land grab, Gary Gensler succeeds in getting T-Bonds onto CCP clearing, and IMX is cleared by the CFTC to become DCM17 and build the world's first health futures exchange. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest, episode 229. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. Parish Notes was led this week by news that... Tadawal had rescued DME. Tadawal are investing $28.5 million for a 32.6% stake, equaling the share of the now-reduced CME holding, as clearly DME gets some form of rescue and a fascinating opportunity to grow for the future under Saudi ownership. They have an option, incidentally, to buy the whole thing in uh, four to five years' time. No changes to the dominant Oman futures contract, which remains essentially an exchange delivery mechanism, while IFAD, under the management of ICE, have built the only significant oil curve in the Middle East to date via Abu Dhabi Global Market. At an enterprise value of $87.5 million, clearly Tadawal sends a big opportunity in energy and broader commodity markets with what will become the renamed Gulf Commodity Exchange. Over in BitCarnage, we were pondering the question of irresponsible parenting. In what is surely the most zero-shock moment in the whole FTX-SBF Farago, his parents remain in some form of abject denial. You may recall his mother's megascreed in the Boston Review, which we discussed in December 2022 in Exchange Invest, which effectively said, guilty folk are not guilty or anything. At least that's my paraphrasing. Well now, would you believe it, the SBF parents are pushing to dismiss the lawsuit against them, seeking the return of gifts made to them when SBF was riding high on the hog of other people's money. That includes no less than a $10 million cash gift from FTX and also that $16.4 million villa, which they seem to try to dismiss as a kind of beachside dorm room for FTX staff, which was, according to the Bankman and Freed family, given to them. It's truly difficult to have any sympathy for the whole family in this farrago, I feel. Lifelong socialists eager to hang on to their booty from their son's criminal, fraudulent empire. If you enjoyed this excerpt, you may be interested to know that you can read a bit carnage every day in Exchange Invest. Alternatively, if you want to follow BitCarnage, the daily update on happenings in the world of crypto and digital assets, you can find BitCarnage as a standalone on Substack. The New York Stock Exchange this week, they pulled their plans for an environmentally sustainable asset class. Ultimately, natural asset companies were a step too far for NYSE, as many complained it could create vast monopolies and tracts of land 
which would be effectively reduced from productive use. That contrasted with the tale of activists seeking to derail the JBS Meatpacker IPO due to concerns over their environmental credentials. The JBS Meatpacker IPO really does impact the parish. Never has there been a concerted move that I can recall to preclude such a listing by a financially compliant enterprise. It's a worrying case of bracket creep alongside the Gary Gensler SEC's eagerness to legislate environmental solutions. These are worrying precedents. I have no idea how good or bad JBS are. While media certainly doesn't dazzle and sustainable paragon of virtue style reporting is anathema to the JBS story, it seems. Then again, this is the US media, which, if Trump said he was a vegetarian, the media would be affixing a free cow to the masthead of their print editions. However, with regard to the JBS listing specifically, subjective judgment on what is or is not acceptable to list on exchanges is a slippery and highly dangerous slope. And indeed, should we not be leaving such a choice to Mr. Market? No results this week, but lots of excitement in new markets. The CFTC designated IMX Health as a contract market. I am delighted to see the Fapinder Gill advised IMX Health LLC become the 17th USDCM under CFTC regulation. A two-sided futures market on health outcomes benefits everybody and can only accelerate transparency on pricing that leads to better health outcomes as well as a liquid market. Meanwhile, Billionaire Hard Lutnick is back. It's deja vu one more time, as the late great Yogi Berra memorably noted. Yogi Berra, of course, was the man that we devoted an entire special edition to. EI Exchange Invest 596, September the 24th, 2015. A tribute edition with all of his magnificent quotes, or at least a smattering thereof, used against the news stories. So, deja vu one more time. This is in the bond market and interest rates as Hard Lutnick re- returns to take on the US T-bond ETD monopoly and software too for good measure with his latest competitive platform to the CME, having of course previously created eSpeed and ELX amongst others. Meanwhile, it was a very busy week for deals in the parish. Not just the Tadawil deal, which headlined this show, but also Equiland has been acquired by Welsh, Carson, Anderson and Stowe. It began with a group of founding banks, including Barclays Global Investors, Bear Stearns, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan Chase, Lehman Brothers, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, Northern Trust, State Street and UBS Warburg. Now, Equiland has been acquired by a PE firm to accelerate its growth. Good news from the Aquastock Exchange. Delighted to see that CEO founder Alistair Haynes has been leading a series of insiders buying the stock recently. One other new and exciting market that comes about and has raised funding as a result of their opening deal. Bulk Exchange have raised $4.5 million to help construction companies source bulk material. Fascinatingly, the startup building marketplace is not just $4.5 million richer in seed funding, but it has an subscription model, not per transaction, which I suppose echoes the original Aquas MTF, of whose management there was a lot of stock buying activity of late. If you're trying to work out what you should be buying in terms of stock, at least in terms of what genres you should be in, where you should be looking to the future, you ought to consider a copy of my book, Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World. This is a way to understand how technology is affecting life and markets 
and it's published by DV Books and distributed by Ingram Worldwide. While you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream, Tuesdays 5 o'clock London, 12 o'clock New York time. Uh, that's the IPO video live show. You can catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube via IPO-vid. This week we had a magnificent show with the former CEO of ChiX Australia, John Files, who was discussing disruption and growth and really gave us an incredible outlook right across the world of exchanges, markets and fintech related there too. Our next show is going to be our 2023 review of the week, which is coming up on Tuesday. Finance book of the week this week has been Too Big to Fail by Andrew Ross Sorkin. That was the first definitive blow-by-blow account of the 2008 economic crisis. And given Ross Sorkin's uh, top-tier Rolodex, he had remarkable access and thus insight to the people, the events and the results. Recounting how, motivated as often by ego and greed as by fear and self-preservation, the most powerful men and women in finance and politics were deciding the fate of the world economy on the hoof. Too Big to Fail, that's our latest book of the week. And don't forget, if you want to know what our new book of the week is in advance, and indeed enjoy a jolly good macro read as well sign up at exchangeinvest.com for our free saturday weekend newsletter also while you're at exchangeinvest.com why don't you take the box and go for a free trial for one month of exchange invest we would be delighted to see you and if you want to understand what's going on in the bourse business then you need exchange invest's daily newsletter the exchange of information product news this week a huge achievement for the Gary Gensler SEC. The work he began moving the derivatives markets onto central counterparty clearing houses while chairman of the CFTC under the Obama regime has now been effectively completed as chairman of the SEC, that's the Cash, Equities and Bond Securities Commission, as well as various other options, products and so on related to equity. Gary Gensler has successfully managed to ensure that US Treasury bond trading has moved to a central counterparty clearinghouse in this case the FICC, the Fixed Income Clearing House, which is a subsidiary of the DTCC that clears American equities. Meanwhile, interesting news from the Department of Energy in the USA, they've selected a consortium to bridge early demand for clean hydrogen. They say that's going to provide market certainty and unlock private sector investment. Very interesting group therein, led by, amongst other people, ICE and S&P Global. This looks like a fascinating glimpse of what could be an incredible market in the future, clean hydrogen. The CME group, meanwhile, they were very quick to launch collateral efficient measures with the DTCC to ensure that we get the best of both worlds for derivatives and cash treasury bond participants who are looking at both products between clearing houses. China has relaunched a voluntary carbon credit market halted in 2017 and Nasdaq's capital access platforms have launched leading indicators for IPO activity, the Nasdaq IPO Pulse Index. That leverages a data-driven approach to provide corporates and investors with an approximate six-month forecast of directional shifts in IPO activity. That, of course, comes in a week where Nasdaq were very confident about their IPO pipeline at Davos. Nicey were very confident of their IPO pipeline in Davos. And indeed, also Brazil's B3 reckoned they might have more than 100 IPOs lined up in the near future. 
In the US, though, the SEC are poised to adopt tougher rules for SPACs, presumably to stop the irrational exuberance that broke out during the COVID period. While finally for this week in our product news section, the Korean regulator's short-selling ban is ongoing. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. Technology news. The European Union has approved rules to shake up market price data for investors. The consolidated tape is given Euro parliamentary backing. Then again, given the 6% versus 82% EU versus US growth marker of the past 15 years, it's frankly going to take an awful lot more than one source of data to get Europe back on track from its seemingly inevitable descent into voluble, touristy, but ultimately economic obscurity. Then we get back to MicroConnect, and of course that's top of the bulletin story. Charles Lee founded MicroConnect has extended the accessibility of its genius core lending product with the launch of the market accepted protocol. MAP allows investors to value expected cash flows and risks of daily revenue obligation from the incredibly data rich MicroConnect enterprise. China's in financial transition terms way, way, way ahead of the rest of the world for day-to-day purchases. Pretty much everything, buying chewing gum, groceries, that kind of thing, all happens on card. And thus MicroConnect beautifully exploits that to oil the wheels of commerce and enable a remarkable product for investors. In debt terms, I think this is genuinely a case that MAP is a Magna Carta moment for investors. The London Stock Exchange, they've opened a technology centre of excellence to ramp up hiring. The LSEG is planning to aim another 1,000 Cody kind of folks to the global payroll. Rather than make a statement, perhaps I can paraphrase this as a question for your discussion at the water cooler today. How come the LSEG has umpteen technology centres of excellence, but its own markets technology seems rather shonky in the cold light of market operations? Treadweb, meanwhile, they've completed the acquisition of technology provider R8Fin as a swift closing to the deal that was announced at the end of November. I do hope it works out for all parties as Treadweb integrates the algo trading firm focused on bond and rates trading. And finally, in the fascinating realm of markets technology this week, Brazil's B3 Clearing House. They have begun operation of a cloud-based foreign exchange clearing processes. Regulation news this week. Well, there was an SEC backlash against the agency and Garage Gensler over the ongoing fester, which is the aftermath of their Twitter account being hacked last week. And at the same time, Gary Gensler is concerned about the impacts of artificial intelligence. In career news this week, the OCC, the Options Clearing Corporation, have announced an update to their board of directors. Main one, Executive Chairman Craig Donoghue, has transformed himself into a non-executive chairman. Perhaps the most interesting additions to the board, OCC CEO Andrei Bolkovich and Nasdaq Executive Roland Chai are joining the board. Roland, incidentally, replaces Nasdaq veteran, former head of the Philadelphia Stock Exchange, Sandy Frusher, who was re-elected as recently as last May and has been on the board of OCC since 1998.
Newcomers too to the case, that's the Kazakhstan Stock Exchange's management board in Almaty. Congratulations to Dana Muratbekovna Amansolova, Deputy Chairman of the Management Board, as she now is, and Yeldos Maratovich Kuanishbekov who's become Managing Director of IT, or has been Managing Director of IT actually for some time, and has been elevated to the Management Board of Kesa in Almaty. Michael Spencer's family office, they have just hired a former leading executive of ICAP, Michael Spencer's old public company, Seth Johnson, who will run said private office. Congratulations to IPO alumnus, Alexander Maturi. Alex has joined the Sufer Academy Board, while Dr. Navrash Adhikari has become the acting chairman of SEBON, the Securities Exchange Board of Nepal, and he's actually one of eight candidates in the running to become the next chairman of Nepal's regulatory body. Amongst the other candidates running are Chandra Singh Saad, who's a former CEO of the Nepal Stock Exchange. From the heights of Nepal to the depths of the fall of a remarkable computing giant, at least in public company terms. Once upon a time I can recall when buying a laptop was synonymous with Apple, Dell and Toshiba. In a remarkable sign of how the once almighty Japanese tech giant has fallen, after 150 years of operations and 74 as a listed company on TSE, the Tokyo Stock Exchange, Toshiba has been delisted on the wake of what has proven a catastrophic debt-laden leveraged buyout. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this EI Weekly Podcast number 229. Join us daily via exchangeinvest.com. Or if you have a new exchange you would like built, do please get in touch. My name is Patrick L. Young, and I wish you a great week in life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our program, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.